0: Hello, this is Supriti from newslaundry.com, bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Wednesday, the 16th of June. India recorded 62,224 new coronavirus cases in the last 24 hours, taking its overall tally to over 2 crores 96 lakhs. 2,542 people have lost their lives to the virus since yesterday which takes the overall death toll in the country to over 3,79,000. Globally, the coronavirus disease has infected over 176.5 million people and killed more than 3.81 million. As per data maintained by the Delhi government, 1,589 children below the age of 14 tested positive for COVID-19 in the past month. Additionally, More than half of the people who tested positive in the last month were in the 30 to 60-year age group, while over a quarter were between the ages of 15 and 30. Interestingly, more men have contracted the virus as compared to women. The divide is the highest in the 30 to 60 age group, with around 60% of those testing positive being men. In all other groups, 57% of the men have tested positive. While the Delhi government does not provide an age-wise breakup of those who have died because of the virus, officials say it is mostly those above the age of 60 and those who have comorbidities. Indian Express reported today that a government panel studying COVID-19 vaccine side effects has confirmed the first death due to anaphylaxis following vaccination. The National AEFI Committee carried out a causality assessment of 31 reported AEFI or adverse events following immunisation cases. It found that the death of a 68-year-old man had been attributed to a severe allergic reaction following vaccination on March 8. According to the panel, while the reporting rate was 2.7 deaths and 4.8 hospitalizations per million vaccine doses administered, it did not automatically imply that the death or hospitalizations were caused due to vaccines. Only proper investigation and causality assessments would help establish any causal relationship. Dr. V. K. Paul, member of the Aayog, said, and I quote, Over 26 crore doses have been administered. There is no doubt that we should get vaccinated. There is minuscule risk, almost negligible, and there is a system to reduce this risk. End quote. Three scientists who are part of the 14 core members of the National Immunisation Technical Advisory Group told Reuters that they did not back the center's decision last month to double the interval between two doses of the Covishield vaccine. The scientists said that the group did not have enough data to make such a recommendation. Speaking to Reuters, M.D. Gupte, a former director of the state run National Institute of Epidemiology, said the NTAGI had backed increasing the dosing interval to 8 to 12 weeks, which was what the WHO had advised. However, the group had no data concerning the effects of a gap beyond 12 weeks. Soon after their statements came to light on Tuesday evening, COVID Working Group Chairman NK Arora said that a decision had been taken on scientific basis and without any dissenting voice. Claiming that the NTAGI recommendation was an interval of 12 to 6 weeks, Arora said, and I quote, We have a very open, transparent system where decisions are taken on a scientific basis. Scientific and laboratory data Showed that vaccine efficacy went up from 57% in a four week interval to 60% in an eight week interval. End quote. A Mathura court today dropped proceedings on charges related to breach of peace against Kerala journalist Siddiq Kapan and three others. LiveLaw reported that Ram Dutt Ram, the sub-divisional magistrate of Mathura's month, dropped the proceedings because the police had failed to complete its inquiry within the prescribed six-month period. Speaking to Times of India, Madhavan Dutt Chaturvedi, the defence lawyer of the four accused, said, and I quote, Police couldn't provide evidence to substantiate charges of breach of peace within six months since the case began. The charges in this first case, on the basis of which the four had been detained in the first place, could not be proven. That could help in other cases as well. Kapan, Atikur Rahman, Masun Ahmad and Alam were arrested on October 5th while on the way to Hathras, where Kapun was going to report on the gang rape and death of a Dalit woman. They were initially arrested for causing a breach of peace and were later booked under the UAPA and charges of sedition. They have been in jail ever since. The UP police alleged that the three men and Kapan are linked to the Popular Front of India, an Islamist group, and were conspiring to inflame religious enmity and organize a caste dispute over the rape and murder of the Dalit woman in Hathras. The increased use of sedition and the UAPA as a tool of intimidation against Indian journalists is worrying to say the least. Reporting truth and standing up to power can come at a cost. While we adhere to the highest standards of free and fair journalism, we sometimes get legal notices and are intimidated with legal action to stop us from reporting the truth as well. And since we do not depend on advertisers, we depend on our subscribers to help us fund our legal battles. An attack on the people fighting to bring you the truth is an attack on you too. So do consider supporting us. We bring you the ground reality through videos, podcasts, interviews, satire and much more across several beats. One of our latest pieces that you can find on our website is an analytical piece by Snigdeen Bhattacharya focused on Mukul Roy. It is titled Mukul Roy, The Turncoat's Journey Home. While you're there, you can also check out Vinay Aravind's piece on the internet and how it has become more susceptible to catastrophic failures. By becoming more centralized. The report is titled, The Day the Internet Died. What the Fastly Outage shows us on how the internet can let you down. Three journalists, who include Mohammad Zubair of Alt News, and independent journalists Sabah Naqvi and Rana Ayub, as well as digital news platform The Wire, have been named in an FIR in Uttar Pradesh's Ghaziabad for provoking communal sentiments in their tweets about an elderly Muslim man being beaten up by a group of men. The FIR, filed at Loni Police Station on June 15, also names Twitter and Congress leaders Salman Nizami, Shama Muhammad and Maskur Usmani. Those named in the FIR have also been accused of posting tweets without verifying facts. The FIR additionally stated that the tweets had been shared with a clear motive to provoke communal sentiments. The assault in question took place on June 5 at Loni. A viral video showed a man named Abdul Samad Saifi being beaten up by three men who also threatened him with a knife. A pair of scissors was used to chop off his beard. Indian Express reported that two days later, in a Facebook Live, Samad alleged that he had been abducted and forced to chant Jai Shri Ram and Vande Mataram while being assaulted. In the live, he was accompanied by a local Samajwadi party leader. In episode 756 of Daily Dose, we had quoted the man's claims as reported by Indian Express. Like us, several other publications had reported on Samad's allegations, including Times Now, NDTV and First Post. The police version of events is that six men, Both Hindu and Muslim knew Samad, who had sold them amulets as part of an occult practice. In a statement, the Ghaziabad police said, and I quote, The accused and the victim were known to each other as Saifi had sold them an amulet promising them positive results. The amulet did not work and the accused beat him up in anger. While two more persons have been arrested, the others will be caught soon, end quote. In an official statement released yesterday, Mizoram Chief Minister Zoram Thanga said that his government has sanctioned money to provide relief to the people from Myanmar who have taken refuge in the state. During an interaction with leaders of the Central Young Mizo Association, the chief minister said that the funds have already been allocated for the purpose and the money will be released soon. The chief minister's announcement came amid reports that as many as 9,247 Myanmarese citizens have taken refuge in Mizoram since the military coup in the neighbouring country in February. He said that 24 legislators of Myanmar leader Aung San Suu Kyi's party, the National League for Democracy, have taken refuge in different parts of Mizoram. According to a police official, the Myanmarese nationals are provided with shelter and food by the civil society organizations and student bodies, while many are sheltered by the locals. In March, Zoram Thanga had written to Prime Minister Narendra Modi pointing out that Myanmar areas bordering Mizoram are inhabited by Chin communities who are ethnically our Mizo brethren. He had also said that the Union Home Ministry's advisory directing four northeastern states, including Mizoram, to check the illegal influx of people from Myanmar and to start the deportation process of illegal migrants was not acceptable to him. Indian Express reported today that Google has responded to the Delhi police crime branch's plea seeking information about 33 members of two WhatsApp groups following the January 2020 violence at GNU. The tech giant stated that such details can only be provided after police send them a letter rogatory under the Mutual Legal Assistance Treaty. The police had written to WhatsApp and Google asking for details of messages, photos, and videos shared by the 33 students and members of the two WhatsApp groups called Unity Against Left and Friends of RSS. While WhatsApp refused to share details, Google said that the information requested relates to services offered by Google LLC, a company organized and operating in the US and governed by US laws. They said they would preserve the data but would only share it after they received a letter rogatory under the MLAT. A letter rogatory is a formal request to a foreign court seeking judicial assistance in probing an entity in another country. An MLAT is an agreement between two or more countries for gathering and exchanging information in an effort to enforce public or criminal laws. On January 5th last year, about 100 masked people armed with sticks and rods had stormed the university for around four hours, leaving 36 students, teachers and staff injured. An FIR was registered and the case was transferred to the crime branch. However, no arrest has been made so far. Israel mounted airstrikes in the Gaza Strip on Wednesday the first since the end of 11 days of cross-border fighting last month. Israeli military said that the strikes came in response to the launching of incendiary balloons, which the Israeli fire brigade reported caused 20 blazes in open fields in communities near the Gaza border. The flare-up followed a march in East Jerusalem on Tuesday. More than 30 Palestinian protesters were injured and 17 people arrested on Tuesday as Israeli police cleared areas of East Jerusalem for the march, firing stun grenades and rubber bullets. The Jerusalem Day Flag March is an annual event that marks Israel's capture of East Jerusalem, home to the Old City and its holy sites, in the 1967 Middle East War. In a statement, the Israel Defense Forces said its fighter jets had hit military compounds operated by Hamas in Khan Yunis and Gaza City. It said terrorist activity took place in the compounds and that the IDF was prepared for all scenarios, including the resumption of hostilities, in the face of continued terror attacks from the Gaza Strip. The BBC reported that it is not immediately clear if the airstrikes have caused any injuries. A Hamas spokesperson confirming the Israeli attacks said Palestinians would continue to pursue their brave resistance and defend their rights and sacred sites in Jerusalem. This is the first violent exchange since Israel's new coalition government came to power on Sunday, headed by Naftali Bennett and drawing an end to Benjamin Netanyahu's 12-year run as prime minister. Last month's conflict had led to the deaths of at least 256 people in Gaza, according to the UN. Thirteen people were killed in Israel before a ceasefire brokered by Egypt took effect. The UN said at least 128 of those killed in Gaza were civilians. Israel's military said 200 were militants. Hamas's leader in Gaza put the number of fighters killed at 80. That's all the news we have for you today. Stay safe and hold on during these trying times. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform.